I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Transmitting live from Planet Margate, this is episode 8 of Buddies Buddies with Huey Gavin, a.k.a. Jekyll, a.k.a. Margate Vocal Studio. Greetings and welcome to Buddies Buddies. Hello, buddies. I hope all is well with you and all that is involved in your worlds and universes. You catch me setting exterior daytime. The sky is grey and silver and some parts blue, maybe chrome at a push. I, I kind of learnt from last week's mistake of leaving it till, let's say, a couple of hours before publishing time to do an intro. Uh, it was super dark, super wet and cold. Uh, the tide was out, but I stepped in a good few sea puddles on the beach, and that kind of sucked. And it was, I was a little bit scared as well because it was all Halloweeny and scary. So I'm out in the rapidly decreasing daytime. Anyway, all this aside, I hope you enjoyed episode 7. I thought it was a banger. Um, it's with Heidi Rogers from the Joseph Wales studio. I hope that you managed to have a little peek in there. Some really cool stuff going on there at the moment. Uh, what I believe is a ceramics exhibition or thereabouts. Um, have a look on their website for more details, of course. And you'll be uh, availed of all information and activities therein. Uh, lots of cool stuff going on there. Heidi's great as well, so always worth stopping by and having a chat with her because she's um, yeah, she's she's lovely, super friendly. But yeah, so to follow on this week, I'm joined by Huey Gavin, aka Jackal, aka Margate Vocal Studio, and founder of the Social Singing Choir. All of which we get into in the podcast, but. Uh, Essentially, Jackal is the songwriting performing pseudonym of Huey, and um, the Margate Vocal Studio is the studio in which he composes and tutors and uh, like does a lot of writing and whatnot. And the singing, the social singing choir is um, 
is well it's the social singing choir i didn't need to explain that to you did i it's just this amazing group of uh vocalists and um not necessarily professional it's uh all uh, what sounds like all skill ranges but yeah it's it's a lovely concept and it's just a really uplifting and beautiful thing that's been set up and um yeah they they've had a lot of success as well like there's just so much good stuff going for them uh and and like loads of cool gigs happening like uh live shows and performances and uh and um music being used on adverts and all this kind of stuff and also uh you'll as we as you'll hear there's this moshi moshi uh choir album coming out you'll hear about it in the chat of course but um anyway back to huey so yeah uh he was kind enough to give me some decent time in his studio down there at the print works and um yeah lush lush place uh he he says you know he was looking for this sort of seedy uh seedy look to the studio which sort of achieved i mean it's got like a, a open face piano in there which is amazing looking it's like a sort of it's like a circuit ball made out of wood and string it's beautiful and um a neon sign but then this is all sort of uh the 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 seediness is instantly negated by the uh natural oils diffuser and um general neatness and tidiness that you don't get in a seedy bar so yeah sorry huey not not seedy enough chief but um yeah it's a lovely spot and it was like yeah really, really nice vibes in there and he's got his dog freya he's a gorgeous little creature and um yeah so like yeah we had a little uh had a little chat yeah we get into a lot of stuff and uh, it was really nice because i i sort of know huey just from uh you know i see him pop up in the storeroom every now and again because he's downstairs and um yeah he's he's a very affable really just yeah super nice super nice guy so yeah we go into obviously the old origin story how he got his start and his brushes with music when he was a young'un um in no small part due to his uh well his nan he's a composer and his dad who is a uh an opera singer but we we also get into some of the stuff his mum's doing and his mum's doing some real cool stuff which is involving um so she's uh i think he said she's known as like the gypsy nurse and so she's a gypsy roma traveler nurse um sort of yeah doing some doing some very very important work with traveler communities and in a sort of medical capacity which is yeah lovely to hear um uh, on top of that we get into imperfections in music and uh you know like microtonal uh intervals and all this kind of stuff nothing too weighty i mean um i, I know a couple of things but it's been a long time since i've studied that stuff so uh i i don't use any sort of confidence when i talk about it i talk about it in very sort of like i think that's uh yeah maybe something to do with that and it's all really sort of unsure but yeah my, my heart is in the right place i assure you anyway uh it yeah it's, it's it's cool we get into a lot of that stuff and um influences and um you know how how he works and processes all of that good stuff that you should expect Huey has worked with Swim Deep, Sodi, Faultline. Uh, there's a song um, actually he did with Faultline, which is used on a new Audi campaign, which 
you probably will have heard. Um, lovely song, super nice. It's called I Could Have Danced All Night. Um, I think it, he said that it was a cover. Um, is it of My Fair Lady? Yeah, I, th- I think it's that. Lots of lots of nuggets and a really nice uh, podcast for music heads and also just people who enjoy, uh, yeah, just a bit of musical chat. The other very cool thing about this one is that this is the first time we're going to have a little musical... Uh, well, it's not an interlude if it happens at the end, but at the end we're going to play a song that um, I... Like, I, I really wanted to record something with him because... Um, you know, we were in the studio, I had all the microphones and I know we can you know, break out a tune at a given opportunity so uh, yeah, made the full most of that chance and uh, yeah, sort of set up all the mics I had and uh, I got this little clip on mic I put it on the plant pot above his piano and aimed all the other mics at various points of his body and uh, piano and yeah, we recorded a really nice track, which I'll, I'll introduce it at the end, but that's coming. So, yeah, it's like a... Is it Pixar, where they have all these sort of end post-credit stuff to keep you watching the credits at the end? Yeah, sort of like that. Uh, but less budget and not in cinemas, uh, certainly. So stick around for that. Oh, uh, before I uh, sign off and introduce you to... Huey. Um, I should also mention that he's playing uh, a live show at the Tom Thumb at time of listening. If you catch this on the Friday it's released, it'll be tomorrow. So it's Saturday the 23rd at the Tom Thumb Theatre in Margate. So do ensure you attend because that's going to be a slammer of a show. Can't wait. Um, Actually, I've yet to see Huey live, weirdly. I mean, well, I saw him live when he played the song in the studio, but it's not the same thing now is it so yeah that that'll be a treat i'll be in attendance hopefully see some of some of y'all in there i'll give you all links and stuff the links will be in the write-up and uh i'll i'll get back to them at the end as well uh because i want to get into the chat and it's extremely cold um i mean this is this is on me because i choose to do these intros outside uh but yeah jesus christ my thumb in particular is just frozen solid so let's uh let's get into me talking to jackal huey gavin down in the margate vocal studio all right enjoy uh your studio is very nice and well arranged what's the story behind the neon sign well is there a story behind There is a little answer? bit, but not really. I really wanted... A to, neon sign? <laughs> yeah, I wanted a neon sign. Um, and but I, I was looking online to try and get one of those... Basically, I wanted it to be a little bit like one of those, like a, a dive bar in here. But then I thought, actually... <laughs> it's a very fancy no, dive bar. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not seedy enough by far. That's the problem. I, I, I work with... So I work with this artist called Sodi and I've f- written with her quite a lot of her um, music. And she's when I started writing with her, she was fifteen. Right. She's now nineteen, and oh. you know she signed to so, well, Sony, which are uh, Relentless Records. But oh, wow. I've worked because of that. I've worked with quite a lot of young artists because of that sort of, I guess, success. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought actually a dive bar is probably not a great, <laughs> a great, a great sort of look for a uh, studio when you're. Yeah. I wanted to make it, but I still not. wanted an element of some sort of like I don't know. 
I wanted a neon sign that was yeah just to give it a bit of you know we've got a neon sign above a piano with no front yeah and that looks there's an element of seed because it, it's got that sort of uh dive bar piano kind of like somebody could just roll in get a bottle of whiskey and just post up by the piano and yeah yeah i think that's probably part of why they're near, you know ne- next to each other yeah they found their natural place yeah I feel. But, but then the- of course on top of the piano you've got a diffuser a natural oil diffuser, some plants, very stylish shelving, and everything else is very tidy. So yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's 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 you brushed up your act, brushed up the act, yeah. <laughs> Whis- the, put the whiskey behind, the, hit it behind the piano. <laughs> ah, that's where you keep the stash. Beautiful. It's like the days of uh, bootlegging. Yeah, to sneak it in. Oh, do you know what? A, a friend of mine is a bootlegger. He's a mixologist, and he's now a brand ambassador. I mean, oh, wow. he probably would be a bootlegger if he, if he could. <laughs> um, but I hadn't seen him in a couple of years and I, he, I went with him, I met up with him and a few other mates in London and he knows all of the people in all the bars because yeah. he's, he's constantly in them. Uh, and he took us on this sort of tour of all the cocktail bars and stuff. And at one bar, he literally, he was chatting to the manager. They're like, come, come, what are you doing out there? Come through. And the guy grabbed a book from this bookshelf and then like this thing... This door opened and we went down to this oh, sort of no like, way. yeah, a real life Scooby Doo secret room. Yeah, and wow. I, he was looking around at us like, "Don't embarrass me." And and all I could think of was just try and be cool, which would be you know, <laughs> like, like, this is cool, normal. I was just like, "You're in these situations all the time." Yeah, remember? cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> but uh, well, don't end there. What, what happened behind the? Well, there was like, we well, went down into this room and there was a few people playing cards. It was it was a whiskey tasting room. And they had all oh. these old... I did actually embarrass myself because they had all these old whiskeys. And the guy was obviously assumed that we were also like some big uh, drinks industry yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was telling us about these specific whiskeys. Oh, we've got the 48 this. And and then he's like, of course, we've got the 22 this. And I... Just because he was saying that What's the a year, 22? Yeah, no, I thought he meant 1922 rather than it was 22 years old. So I was like, 1922? <laughs> and then he was like... Holy smokes. Yeah, then he looked at me like I was the biggest idiot in the world. And no, I was like... That, I, I would have said the same. But when you said 22, I thought, oh, yeah, 1922. Cool, it's vintage, isn't it? Well, because he'd said the 1948. That's the thing he said before, which was from 1948. And then he went straight back into 22. Trying to trick you. Yeah. Damn bootleggers. Exactly. Well, at least the secret room, there was some underhand stuff going on, like people playing cars and whiskey and whatnot. Yeah, you could buy a cage where you can bring, for £1,000, you could buy a cage in this room where you could put your own alcohol so that when you go to the secret bar, you can then drink your own alcohol. I was saying, you know, if I was a millionaire, I would just buy a cage and just put a bottle of Glenn's vodka in there just to really annoy everyone (laughs) and go in there. Just, yeah, but I was like, what? Yeah, that's the sort of place it was. Wow. But weird, weird that you could, like, if you're going to a bar, it's like you, you can pay to get a cage for your own booze, but then wouldn't you be better off just drinking, drinking their booze? Yeah. I don't know. It makes very little sense. Hmm. But yeah. Okay. Well, it's been good talking to you, Huey. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've not introduced you at all. You are Huey Gavin, a.k.a. Jackal, Jackal, mm-hmm. J-A-K-L, a.k.a., let me get this correct, the Margate Vocal Studio. Mm-hmm. Are you the Margate Vocal Studio as a whole? How many of you are there? It's minus choir. Minus choir. I mean, it's just me at the moment, you know. Huh. Uh, so Margate Vocal Studio is, is this is this place, it's this studio. What are the dimensions? Let's say 8 by 
I want to say 20? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. Hmm. Yeah, enough space. Wow, it sounded like a proper real estate yeah. dude. Wait, have you put it on the market? <laughs> um, I've, I've been snooping. <laughs> so you basically run the the choir, the yeah. Margate. the social singing choir. Social I run, singing choir. So I run the social singing choir. I founded that when I opened the studio. So the studio, basically, every week I spend most of the time here... Most days I'm here by myself or with my dog Freya, who's in the corner over there. Oh, I want Freya on the mic. She's, yeah. she's being very respectful at the moment. Um, but, so I'm writing here. I'm here generally working you know, on, on uh, top lines, so lyrics and melody for pop songs and stuff or arrangements for songs. And so I was spending a lot of time when I, when I opened this studio, yeah. when I started working here, basically by myself. So I, I thought it would be a good idea to start something where it was more of a community and something where I could share the sort of stuff I love about music yeah. um, and maybe create something, you know, positive and fun. And I didn't expect it to become such a sort of big thing. Yeah, so. wow. So, all right, so when did you start in this studio? Been here for two years now, and I was previously had a studio in the house, um, but I, you know, I had this, this piano as a, one of the main reasons why I've got this studio is because yeah. it wouldn't fit into our house. It's uh, it's like, I mean, it's a regular upright, mm, am I correct? Yeah. But with the front of it removed, it looks like the horizontal back end of a grand piano. Yeah. I love yeah. it. I love these pianos. It's like, like, cause you can shove mics anywhere in them. And well, do that's this it. Stuff the reason it. that that's off is, is for a functional reason. I, I record on it quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. So having that front off means I can just whack if I'm recording an idea, I can, rather than having to do it on a keyboard that doesn't have the same feeling, I can just put a mic on myself, put a mic on the piano and just record, record it to a decent level. Um, but that, it was my dad's piano. Uh, my dad's an opera singer. Uh, we're going to, we're going to get to, uh, let me see. I've written his name down. He is, don't tell me, don't tell me the name of your dad. (laughs) Your dad is Julian Gavin. That's it. Yeah. Hey, what up Julian? So, um, but yeah, that was the first thing. He bought when he oh. had he Roberto Alagna, a famous opera singer, was singing uh, "Run," and he got ill just before the first night. Right. And then at the end of the run, my dad had done it and got really good like rave reviews and got a new agent. He bought this for him, you know, as a present to himself. Mm. And then on my 18th birthday, he gave it to me, which oh, was nice. so. But I never had anywhere big enough, or you know, when you're like in London and you're moving around every like year or six months. Oh, the idea of lugging this piano around. Yeah. It was just impossible. So it was in storage for like five, six years. Yeah. And then when we moved down here, I wanted to get it in the house. But then I did. I got someone around to measure the hallway into the living room and it wasn't going to fit through. <laughs> so, um, so it's torture. Like, yeah. you, you got this thing. It's like if you could deconstruct it and rebuild it, it'd yeah. be perfect, but you can't get it in the bloody yeah. doorway. So I ended up just thinking, that was when I started thinking about it would be good to have a studio outside the house. And, yeah, yeah. And, um, and yeah, I kind of took the leap. Oy. What's your favourite chord, Huey? Um, I like quite jazzy chords. I like... OK, so my favourite chord progression... Oh, OK, yeah, you do, it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Move it That's luxurious. Tell me, tell me what chords you just played. 
It's pretty much it's starts it's, it's all kind of in C minor, but there's lots of sixths, ninths, uh, that's what suspended it is. fourths, like all those things that are the notes that probably shouldn't be there. Right, they're the ones that make them make it sound really nice. The notes that aren't there that make it so sweet. Yeah, and that's what. Yeah, I really like those. Though that that sort of idea it's like in Western music, we have a little bit less of tolerance for dissonance. Yeah, right. But there's a real sweet spot where if you add a little bit of crunch in there... <laughs> a little bit of grip. Yeah, it makes yeah. it sound... I don't know, it makes it just gives it a bit of depth. Do, when, when, like, do you know when that kind of grit started being like more palatable for an audience? So yeah, w- when did we go from kind of all... Yeah, it's really interesting, yeah. So as we've... From... Like when in the classical period, like uh, Mozart, it was very, um, it was very sort of harmonically and melodically safe, and and not safe so much, but bright. Yeah. And then as we move forward, Romantic composers started adding a little bit more. Yeah, it's a little bit more of those those sort of dissonant notes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, the massive change for us now is the 20th century when we were exposed to more world music. Oh yeah, and, right. And right. and because in um in other cultures they have a much higher so in indian the raga has actually got quarter tones in it so it's got notes yeah. that we don't even have right like on so, um my um my stepdad's been playing sitar for like yeah. 20 30 years or something and, and you hear that it's there, there's so many i remember hearing that as a kid and it was sort of it's quite hard yeah it's yeah quite, like, like bending notes yeah, so yeah. it doesn't sound like duh, duh, it's sort of yeah like, duh, there's there's room like, yeah there's room in between the notes we've created this our, our, our modern understanding of sort of t- t- tonation is created, arbi- you know, it's arbitrary yeah. sort of jumps between the notes. There are there's notes in between those notes. So is it um is it equal temperament? Is that what, what's it called? I can't remember what it is, but there is there's a there's a whole thing about tuning as well, and and, and actually the notes themselves. Oh, it's really hard to explain, but there's there's <laughs> it's di- harder to explain when you've got this. Dee- yeah, yeah. Behind us. I'm going to see. I might be able to edit it out. You got it. <laughs> That's an F. No, oh, um, damn it. Normally on podcasts, like on the ones I produce, if I hear that, I'll try and edit it out, but I'm going to try and keep it in because I want to <laughs> prove that you just nailed it. So the well, world music thing is really interesting because now we're now when now people are sampling, what we're finding really in, in, in a lot of pop music is people are sampling like ga, uh, Gamelan or their psych, mm. uh, or some stuff from it, uh, bo- some old Bollywood tunes that have got stuff, and they're using that fact that with we, little earworms where they're maybe going onto a note and then coming off the note, and that's yeah, what yeah. we're finding really, really interesting. So we're like, oh. we're looking for it more than we were. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's almost like um, if you were raised on porridge, and then somebody introduces very slowly like sugar or like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, honey, or something. that becomes a thing that we're looking for. And we're, ah. you know. Amazing. And also that like, there's like on especially on hip hop and stuff like that, like there there are these weird imperfections. So you could be sampling yeah. a, a note off a busted turntable and then tuning it down ever so slightly mm. just because it sounds good. And you don't you don't even know what you're doing, but no. like I mean, this is how I used to do it. It just it just sounded all right to me. But then you tune everything else around that and so you've got this weird tuning yeah, yeah. It just yeah. doesn't. If I played it to you, but like, oh, this is all. Oh, no, but something nice. in there. It's like following your ears, and also there's something in in having, you know, that's what I really like is the realness. If you, if, you, if everything's too perfect, sometimes you don't have that emotional connection to it. 
Yeah. Weirdly, that's yeah. on another completely unrelated note. That's why choir, I think, the recorded sound of a community choir is something that people love and, and that's why like, we've been asked to do all this stuff. It's because it's actually the imperfections and the emotion yeah. and the sort of, and the kind of wonky tuning sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> that's what makes it so special. Uh, you're, you're the teacher. You, yeah. That's your fault. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, man. Maybe I was a bit better, it'd be perfect, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just messing. But yeah, um, technology-wise as well, like you can hear a demo that's made on a crappy old four-track overdubbed tons of times mm. and then you can hear a totally polished you know modern recording and you you get so hooked up on that the demo like it's got so mm. much more sort of immediacy like i mean they've both got their qualities obviously but um i've definitely had it where i've i've loved the sound of a crappy old tape recording mm. and got so attached to it even like some rubbish mp3s as well mm. it's like there's there's some there's a little something to it and it's, it's that imperfection mm. it's very human i suppose yeah definitely um, it's cool that with the choir, it's. I love the way that you went from being a man in a studio, just one person in the studio, and you thought, "No, I want to, I want to spread this out to the community." Because that's mm. that's sort of why I did the podcast. Because I yeah. wanted to, you know, I was originally thinking of doing a podcast about, uh, well, what do I like? I like nineties hip hop, so I'm going to do it all about nineties hip hop. But then it's like, I would just be delivering this to other hip hop yeah, fans, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not spreading it out and it's not communal and it's not sort of it's just for my benefit but since moving to margate it's like i've realized there's so many people here doing cool stuff so mm. it'd be a missed opportunity to you know to, to just do it on myself and not speak to people here and now you know doing this stuff now and yeah gets I, you out of your head a bit i, I think definitely definitely that's it it's about trying to reach out i think in both things and actually uh, become part of a wider community or do something that yeah. rather than because especially in music music is really quite hierarchical is that the word hierarchical yeah sounds yeah. sounds good sounds to like me. it could be yeah um, there's a lot of syllables I'm, I'm, I'm yeah don't ask me to spell it but <laughs> um, but you know and you have all this stuff when you're working and you know you have good years or bad years you do lots of other different things you work on projects and stuff but a lot of it's about you know uh, ego or like getting getting to this place, getting signed, getting a publishing deal, and you know, all this yeah. sort of stuff. It's quite self-focused. It's quite sort of like, um, yeah, you can get really, I'm quite, generally, I would, I would say I'm quite a driven person and I feel like I got, I get really sort of, yeah, I've been really focused on that. And I think it was partly me wanting to do something where it was just for the love of music and, and yeah. you know, and, and something about that, that was just not related. It's funny, it's, it's hilarious that it's become such a thing that's actually quite closely aligned with, you know, with us doing like radio sessions and yeah. recording on people's albums and recording our own album and doing Christmas adverts, all this stuff that's <laughs> happened. It's been, so it's been partly because of, you know, I work in music, but it's been mainly just because of, I think like just the energy of that many people just kind of, yeah. uh, so willing and, and wanting to do so much stuff yeah definitely and i feel like the, the whole spirit of the choir has never left us either like i feel like there's always been groups of people singing yeah it, it feels like a real echo back to the really early days of people and communicating just singing mm. and the vibrations off each other and uh you know, there's like this sort of metaphysical element, I suppose, as well, which is yeah, yeah, it goes beyond hearing agreeable sounds, and it's more just a community, it's connecting like with other people. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I think a lot of people 
there's people have said, I can't remember who it was, someone said to me recently, like, I don't really believe in God or God stuff, but I go to church every Sunday because it's a chance for me to sing with other people. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. and I like the hymns and stuff. Someone was talking, I can't remember who it was, but I think there is something in that because we're, as we're looking for ways to connect with with each other and now yeah. that there's not as many people do that i mean i haven't been you know since i was a kid and um i think the idea of like locking in with other people and just connecting with those people and, and mm. joining your voice together with loads of other people is such a powerful thing yeah and you get so much of a you know an emotional and and sort of physical uh benefits from it yeah and also that like, when you look at a choir you generally don't see frowning you see a lot of people smiling and yeah you definitely feel that joy. Well, it's different to the choirs I was in when I was a kid. So even though I really admire the teaching and the way I was sort of taught in terms of technically, it was a fantastic, yeah. it was really high pressure. So from a seven-year-old onwards, you know, we were doing like, again, sort of recording like Lord of the Rings and, and Harry Potter music and stuff. But oh, right. the pressure was like, you get screamed at if you made a mistake. Oh, you get like pulled out. You get, you get, yeah, it was like that. You get pulled <laughs> out and you'd be like, you'd be like, what the hell do you think you're doing? It's a seven year old. And you'd be like, Seriously? you're flat, you're flat. You idiot. You know, it was really quite intense. But do you, do you think that coarseness and that, that rough treatment, I mean, I, I suppose there's an argument. It could be seen as, I don't necessarily agree with this, but it could be like a sort of tough love approach. But no, do, it is. do you think yeah, it sharpens had, you up or is that just... It definitely does. And we had different ones. We had the first one. And then when we had uh, a new, when I was about 11, a new choir master took over the same choir, the, mm. uh, Lee Ward. And he was, he was still firm, but he was really fun yeah. and fair. And he would still call you out if you made a mistake. Yeah, and, yeah. But he would also have a laugh and a joke and yeah. he was very sort of caring, I guess. So it was, you can do, I think you can, I've always thought you can do both. I mean, but this is different. This choir isn't about being perfect. So mm. I'm, I'm not a disciplinarian. I'm not by nature anyway. So you don't, I you think don't I come just, across like that. <laughs> unless you've got this bizarre alter ego, it's just screaming out people. Yeah. Get out. No, no. no um, that didn't sound convincing at all. No. So I just, I I kind of let, I, I like the bits where everyone's chatting in between. I mean, if we've got a big gig or something or recording and everyone's chatting and we've only got 10 minutes left, that's when I'll be like, right, let's get back to it. But yeah, yeah. most of the time, that's the funny thing when if someone makes, if some real muck up, everyone will burst into out laughing yeah, and stuff. Yeah. That's what makes it fun, you know. Yeah, definitely. Everyone's, oh, you're obviously out for a, a final end result, but... In getting to that end result, it's not a real hard line, perfect or imperfect. It's yeah. just, yeah, the, the human element is massive. Yeah. So on top of the choir part of things, so you, okay, you've been, how long have you been, like, when did you start with music? Let's go all the way yeah. back. So, I mean, all my life, really, I guess. The, the, so I always, I went to this kind of music school, the London Oratory, and I was a music scholar there. Yeah. So I meant that I got all my music lessons, piano, you know, clarinet singing, everything. Um, and then obviously my dad being an opera singer, that was where it really started. I'm one of five kids. So I'm the only one that does music you really? know, professionally. Yeah. What do your, what do your other siblings do? My brother runs a tennis club. Uh, my eldest sister is an educational psychologist. Okay. Um, trying my, to find connections as you, yeah. as you talk. Go on. My little brother is 
working for Burberry in Australia at the moment. Mm-hmm. And my eldest, second eldest sister is an osteopath. Mm. So everyone's gone really quite crazy, like different ways. Yeah, so. I was trying to find connections. I can't find any. There isn't any, no. <laughs> it's a mixed bag. I think it, the one thing I would say is in our family, everyone's always had their thing. Um, it's been quite clear. Everyone's always had a thing that they're... Mm. My older sister was really academic. My older brother is extremely talented sportsman. My elder sister, uh, Marita, she's always just been a bit of like, she's always done completely different things. Yeah. I never, no one never knew what she was going to do. So being an osteopath is quite a good uh, sort of out there, sort of un- yeah. unusual choice. But Okay, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And my little brother is, all, well, he, he's, he's an actually really talented at music, but part of me feels a bit guilty because I think I'd already taken the music spot. So, uh, <laughs> so he was <laughs> sort of like, right, we'll find something else. But yeah, so we all did something different. Yeah, so I had lessons at school and then when my sister Marita, so second I just went to art school, she, I hadn't really listened to much. I'd been, mainly been listening to like classical music and jazz and stuff as a kid. Is that from, like from your dad? Or? Yeah, my dad's really into jazz and really into, obviously, as being an opera singer. Yeah. So that was what was played at home. So I didn't. And hearing him practice as well? And hearing him yeah. practice, yeah. Sometimes for like hours and hours and hours and hours. Oh, I Which it has been really good for, in terms of, it's made me realise how much work you, to be a real musician, to be a real kind of like as a vocalist to yeah. try and because that's kind of my thing as, as Jackal I'm, I'm a singer I'm a kind of the music I make sort of uh, I guess like dark sort of um, emotive Jeff Buckley-esque sort of stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's where the singing you know if I I, work, I try to work on my voice rather than just being like oh I sing I'm going to write some songs yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah. just keep doing it yeah. and that was probably from dad being so dedicated to that but yeah so growing up I would be listening to to that and then um, he also always used to, when he wasn't touring away, he would have singers coming to the house to, for him to give them tips. And he would always ask me when they left, what do you think they're doing wrong? What do you think they're doing? And I'd oh, be like, wow. Oh. So, You're on a committee. You're yeah, you know, he'd, be, he'd just be check, checking to see if I was... So I'd say, oh, he's, he's not doing this. And Dad would be like, yep, that's right. Well, he needs to make sure he's doing this. And he'd be like, yep, good. So he'd always ah. kind of do that. So I sort of... And then, yes, yeah, so Marita went to art, art school and she came back. And she was like, "What do you? What do you? Listen to this." Gave me uh, Grace Jeff Buckley's mm. album, and I was like, I remember just going up to my dad and be like, "Yeah, Dad, listen to this." And some Nick Drake. She also gave me some Nick Drake, and I was and like, "And you picked out right? He's he's flat on this song. Yeah, he's, uh, he's not using his his uh, head voice on this yeah. one." Well, that's the thing is with Jeff Buckley, you can't. Yeah. I can't critique his voice. But what I did was the opposite. I went up to Dan and I was like, Dad, I don't think I want to be an opera singer. I'm going to do this instead. And then he, he put his paper down, sent you out of the room. Yeah, that's when I went to boarding school. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. What was his reaction? Because like, I guess, well, I feel like if he if he was listening to jazz while being an opera singer, I feel like there's a, a sort of looseness there. Yeah. I don't feel like he was... Um, not a hard line again. No, I keep using no, that word no. hard line. It's just shorthand for you know, you know strict. That's yeah, no, he wasn't at all. <clears throat> I think at the first he was like, oh, okay, there's a bit of a curveball because I'd never really been, you know, that's not not something that wasn't really on 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 my radar. Mm. Um, but yeah, he always just thought, well, you'll end up being an opera singer eventually. <laughs> yeah, he'll um, come back. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, now he was he wasn't. Yeah, he was so he he's probably he loves what I do, which is one of the nicest things. Yeah. He'd always come to, yeah, show had big shows and stuff, or if he'd seen a recording of a show, 
he'd always start with, oh, fantastic, really well done, Huey. Third song in, very <laughs> flat on that first note, and it gives me a critique of the whole, everything. He was like, yeah, oh, really good free singing. You're singing really well at the moment. Watch that middle eight at the end there. You know, you're shouting a bit there, you know. But that's not bad, though. Like, cause it's good. It, it's probably better than somebody saying, oh, Huey, that was lovely. The whole thing was perfect. And then you're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. I am, I'm perfect. I'm really good. Like, if somebody's always kind of like, really good, it's almost like the compliment sandwich thing. Like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's brilliant. A couple of things I can pick you up on. But yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it sounds like that's exactly, yeah, him. It'd be really... <laughs> flashbacks. Man. Yeah. I did this, I recorded this live album in 2018. Um, and he came to watch the recording of that. And that was pretty much it. He was like, oh, couldn't be more proud of you. Well done. He's like, you know that song where you, because I swear in one of the songs, it's just like at the end. And he's like... You can swear on here. What, what do you say? Uh, Is it the F word? Yeah, it's the F word. Yeah, it's the F word. It's like, um, it's basically the, in this sort of like emotional bit at the end. It's talking about like, it's like, this is where I stand. This is where we stand in this cold, cold ground because I've been hiding stacks of papers. I've been buried underground. And then, and it's it's all about like hiding. And and then at the end, I say the same thing again and I fucked it mm. up. I fucked it all up this time. I fucked it all this time. Right, right, right. right. So it's just this, this, the last bit of... Is that like the Mumford and Sons one? It's yeah, like, but it's I mean, not. Yeah, it doesn't sound like that. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm not comparing. It's, you, no. Yeah, yeah. It's that sort of idea of like it's just it's the apex of the whole song, and it's basically sort of about. Uh, yeah, I wrote it when I was sort of hiding. I wasn't doing anything, you know. I was basically I was. We were living in London. I was doing music. I was doing effectively well, but I'd only just started getting these sessions and started. I uh, got offered to gig at Glastonbury, but I was working in a bar. Mm. Uh, we were living in this place, but I didn't have any, like, I had no money. I was, because I was working, you know, I wasn't getting paid for the music. It, it takes yeah. a couple of, it takes a year at least, or 18 months for a lot of the stuff to come in. Yeah. So, sure, yeah. so I was in this situation where I was kind of like, I felt like I was a bit of a fraud in a way. Like, I was, on the face of it, it looked like everything was going really well. Mm. But I was like, you know, hiding these sort of stacks of paper, this idea of like, everything wasn't as it seemed. And I think that was like the idea of coming clean with that. And that's why that, in that song is about, and yeah, I I tried to explain that to to my dad. I was like, yeah, that's what it's about. And he was like, I don't think you need to swear though. You know, (laughs) you've said it already. You've said it twice. No need for a swear. But I was like, sometimes that's, that was almost like the crack that was sort of, you were really showing. It's like, this is where it's, this is, that was your inner sort of trauma coming out or something. Like, um, but also, because um, I listen to a lot of rap music and the swear words, and, oh, swear words. I always sound so old when I'm explaining it. Like older rap music, I listen to so like N.W.A. When yeah, I, I listened to that when it came out. I was about eight or nine or something. And to me, that was like yeah, Easy E. That was the first proper sweary rap album I mm. heard. Lots of it was stuff I wasn't really ready for, and I wasn't ready to. I mean, I knew it wasn't necessarily they were a new easy E wasn't talking to a woman in that way. Mm. So in my mind, I could sort of, it was, it was sort of almost like played as theater mm. sort of thing. And I knew it wasn't necessarily right. Cause I, I nobody around me was using doing, that. Yeah, yeah. Like my dad wasn't speaking to my mum like that or anything. <laughs> so it was, it was a, it was a real kind of like, Oh, this is different and mm. naughty, but you hear so much of the F word. And then 10 tracks in you, you, you're just numb to it and it's, it's like, so true yeah it just sounds like somebody going yeah and then i um and then sometimes like, um yeah it's, it's more like, used as like a rhythmic sort of yeah. kind of thing rather than anything it stops i think that's what it is like stephen fry stephen fry was talking about you know people that say swearing is just because you haven't got a vocabulary a wrong it, but it's right. been people it's sometimes in like real life i think 
It's when you overuse it and you use it every second word, it stops having any sort of meaning. But sometimes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's exactly the word that you need to describe. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. For instance, if I, s- I always stub my toe on that piano. So, it's I mean, a, for me, it's, it's the perfect... Pr- prominent footprint it's got. Yeah. So I can see that. It's Is the you... perfect word for when I'm around here. <laughs> well, yeah. if these walls could talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, if these walls could, yeah. like, put Record. their hands over their ears. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it looks like we're about halfway through the podcast at this point. So I'm going to just put a little pause in the middle here as occasionally we have to put some adverts in there and um i want to just sort of leave a nice little space for that to happen so here is that and we will return to the podcast directly after see you soon imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow, that's cool. So you you were studying, your dad was sort of keeping you in line to a degree. And then so like, when did you sort of break off from the education route? Yeah. And, and sort of tunnel your own way into the, into what, like, how, how did you sort of, what, what were the early it. signs of, yeah, like getting into what you did? So I was playing in South Ken, actually, I was playing this sort of weird it was like songwriting. I can't really describe it. It was a kind of songwriting seminar? course seminar thing, mm. and like it was first sort of kids, like fifteen to eighteen. Anyway, um, basically, I was just re- rehearsing one of the rooms. We were all meant to play a song at the end, and I was rehearsing one of the rooms. And then I just got pulled out of the room by this guy, and he took me to um, the woman that was running it, and then he took me aside and was like, "I want to manage you." Uh, and I was about 16, I think, 16, 17. And, and was this, was it a track that you'd written? Or? Yeah, it was a track I'd written. So um, when, when did you, when were you writing? So from about 15, I was writing, right, right. right. as soon as I heard that music that my sister brought back, I started trying to, oh, yeah, Jeff, Jeff Buckley Jeff and, about, yeah, yeah. yeah, Jeff Buckley and Nick Drake and yeah. John Martin and all this other stuff and this band, yeah. this, that's a band from the 60s, Love, and I just oh, started like nice. listening to loads of that, 
kind of music and and I just started writing straight away just from maybe like three or four days I wanted to I didn't just want to like that music I wanted to do mm. that I wanted to be I wanted to do it basically yeah like be amongst it mm. so like when 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 you were listening to it like were you able to, did you feel yourself sort of channeling it or were you was it like because I, I remember again I'm going back to rap music but I never rapped ever but mm. I sometimes wrote raps when I was about mm. 11 and they God awful, <laughs> terrible shit. And I've, I've already got some of them. I just keep just as a reminder, like, yeah, this is this was some weird phase you were going yeah. through. But it's total copies of what I was listening to. But like, <laughs> did you ever go? For, were you going through that? Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely did. My problem was the music that I was drawn to was really quite high euphorical emotional music. But I didn't have any any reference in my life. Oh, any, yeah, any trauma been through the I hadn't been through anything yeah. to um to kind of replicate so all my Hopefully lyrics not were, John Martin or Jackson yeah, G exactly. Franklin <laughs> so uh, my lyrics even when I was doing these songs when I was 16, 17, 18 and I started playing shows and stuff I had no way of so they're all quite sort of basic and I didn't have any yeah I didn't have any sort of I don't been know. through the wars no yeah. it was only really yeah so when I was about 16 I met this guy Kev who now runs Communion Records and is in a band called Bears Den. Okay. Um, and he just sort of, he said, go and write some songs. Is this the guy who took you out of the room? Yeah. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. And um, and then he put me on a, a couple of months later, he put me on first in this club night they used to do. And it was the first gig I'd ever played. And the bill was me and my couple of mates, we formed a band, Wise Man Said, at the bottom of the bill. <laughs> then it was Marcus Mumford. Ah. Then it was Laura Marling and then it was Noah and the Well headlining. Oh <laughs> and that was it. And we had to get sneaked in. We were like 16, 17, so we got sneaked in the back uh, <laughs> by, via the toilets. Oh, and So nefarious. Yeah. And we did, we only had three songs, so we only played three songs, which is pretty hilarious now, usually. <laughs> so um, we did that. And then we started, over the next couple of years, we just started playing gigs on that, on the communion scene, did a couple of tours and stuff. Oh. And then, yeah. Were you shown the ropes by anyone or were you just sort of yeah, freestyling it? Or? We were, yeah, Kev would come to most of our rehearsals, which would help me with writing and stuff. It also helped me, I was keys predominantly, but he was like, I think it'd be good for you to sort of also learn the guitar. So so yeah. when you were doing the first shows, you were, you were, was it keyboard and vocals or like piano and vocals? So we had it. my mate Tom, uh, who played keys, right. a drummer, Ben, who now drums for Sanfer. Um, oh wow so um, and my other mate Matt was guitarist and then Alex our bassist but then I so I would first I was just I was writing the songs but then I would be just singing them yeah and then uh, after a while I I, I I played a couple there was one that I played on the piano unaccompanied at the beginning Uh, so but then I start I learned the guitar and, and I got given a guitar so Cool. How long? How long did it take you to pick it up to a level you were happy with, or are you happy with it? Yet? I'm happy. Or, yeah. I'm, yeah. Okay. So I think because I was always, I always preferred writing on the piano. I, th- I got to a level where I could play rhythm guitar, and then I kind of stayed at the same level for about three or four years because I was mainly writing, and then I'd have my parts in the in the, and we had a guitarist in the band, so mm. it was like he would do most of his stuff, and I would just come and play in the choruses occasionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it was only when in when I started Jackal stuff, um, when I was doing a lot more, I was playing I was playing all the keys, but then a couple of songs I was playing all the guitar. Yeah. That I really I wanted to play the parts I was recording, but yeah, play them yeah. the same and not be like 
be able to play them and not think about it so that I could just really sing. Yeah, so yeah, I started yeah. really working on, on the guitar then. Nice. So, so the, the Jackal pseudonym, Alter Ego character, yeah. like was that, was that an offshoot of the band? Or was the, the band kind wasn't of, called yeah. Jackal, was it? So no. Did you so, say um, Wise Man Said was our band? We said. then uh, we 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 did that. That was our first name. Then we were called Islander, Islander after. And Islander, we had quite a bit of sort of success as Islander. We never really we we were playing all the right shows. We never released anything, but we got signed on a development deal. Yeah. And then what's the development deal? It's like you get money for all your recordings. Oh, uh, so it's like just helping you just get the stuff done. So you get signed to a label and then, yeah, and they basically pay for everything. They don't pay you in advance to live on. Right. But you get, like, all your recordings, um, you get some equipment and stuff, some other bits. So the pieces. obstacles that would sort of... Yeah, and they'll put from, out, they'll put yeah. out, you know, the idea is they'll, based on that, once all those recordings <coughs> are done, that's when... Yeah, so you get time like a six months development deal. Mm. They've got first dibs on you when you're when you get passed through that. Okay. Yeah. After that happened, the band they weirdly they really liked the recordings, but for some reason they weren't keen on the on the makeup or something about the band. It all got really complicated and yeah. Um, As these things tend to yeah, get. but through that they liked the songs, and I started working with the one of the guys at the label, and I got put into quite a few writing sessions, mm. and that's where I started doing writing stuff so for a couple of years after that I was doing a lot of yeah I was writing with all these different bands and did like did yeah lots of different sessions and stuff yeah. and I thought of I, that was I'd kind of got into that lane and I was like right I'm a, I'm a songwriter now and I was doing you know I'd had a few songs that had been released uh, around and and then the Jackal thing was one of the songs actually we recorded then uh, ah. I, I re-recorded it re-recorded it reworked it and, I, and it was a moment where I was like this is this is a new thing. It didn't sound like anything else I'd been involved in before. Yeah. It had a real kind of vibe to it, a real sort of almost ominous. And it was a song that I'd written in one go. I'd come back from this night out and I was feeling pretty uh, sorry for myself. I'd broken up with my, uh, girl, my first like long-term relationship. We'd oh, been together right. for about four years. Okay, yeah. Um, and I'd gone on this night out and I'd end up going back with someone and like you know left in the middle of the night felt really awful got the bus home and sat down at the piano and then this whole song came out with all the lyrics that are in it now and all the choruses and all the chords just came out all in one go and then that was right at the end of when the band was so we recorded it but it was really the song that I loved but no one else was really into it that much it sounds it sounds like perfect because it's almost like the end of the band you've turned a new corner mm. in your life and then like if the band wasn't into it it makes sense because it's like oh Huey's on this other path now he's mm. kind of he's he's on another level yeah it was that different. it was that thing and I think what it was as well it was the first it was the first things that had happened my my dad had got uh, had a brain injury about three months before that right. so it was the first time in my life where I was I'd had this sort of stuff to deal with yeah, and it was yeah. almost like as soon as that started happening in a weird way, it was when I felt like the sort of music that I'd always been trying to make. I mean, it's a bit of a crappy way of it happening, but that was when it opened up and I had this, I had a bit of depth or a bit of understanding of not just what it was like to sing that, but what it was like yeah. to feel that and for it to make it feel a bit more real. No, it, make, it makes complete sense because I, 
I can see now where you you sort of you've hit the level where you're starting to go through these life experiences, which mm. you 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 know in some ways you share with Jeff Buckley or Nick Drake or um, John Martin. It's like you you know not not to that level. Like they were no. pretty hard living dudes, but you've you've gone through something, and then that's where like oh okay, this is where the this is why I've unlocked it. Yeah, it felt yeah. like that, and then gives you sort of access to that room of feeling yeah. and emotion and that kind of stuff. So then. Yeah, after that, so then I had this sort of songwriting show reel that my manager would send out to sort of, to labels and things like that. And I had The Jackal, the song, mm. and I just had By Jackal as one of the songs I'd written. And I, and these labels kept asking, they'd be like, yeah, cool, we've got, we've got Huey in for this session. Oh, that one went well. By the way, who is this Jackal guy? <laughs> who's it, who's it, who's Huey been working with? Is this Jackal guy? Um because we'd love to have a conversation with his management or whatever. Yeah. So at the time, the manager was like, just keep it really quiet. We're going to just play this. <laughs> so I was like, oh, he's not, it was, he was saying, he's not ready, it's just in development, but we've got a few more songs. So I started writing some more songs. Uh, my sister-in-law, my now wife's sister, mm-hmm. put me forward for like the Glastonbury Emerging Talent Artist competition. So she put that song in. And then like three weeks later, I'd, I've been picked as the last in the last 50 and then a week right. after that I was picked in the, as a finalist uh, just through the song and they rang me up they're like right we've been booked for Glastonbury how many of you are there just because we need to swap passes out <laughs> here's the thing and I yeah I just said uh, three because it was the smallest number that I thought could make enough sound yeah. to make it work okay yeah 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 so I knew this guy Paul I'd done a few writing sessions with who's an amazing drummer and played like I needed triggers and sort of yeah uh, I needed him to like to, to beef up the sound Lots a bit. Lots of well. actions. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And like we, I use a lot of, eight, you know, the, in that, especially in the Jackal song was like 808s and stuff. Mm. So. Explain, let's explain for the, for, for an audience who maybe doesn't know what an 808 is. It's like a digital, but it's analog drum machine sort of Does sound. It's like, yeah, it's like. Yeah, yeah. That sort of. That, um, yeah. So, I want to. I might throw in some 808 noises. Yeah, do it, yeah. That's a good idea. Super. All right. Break for 808. Okay, back in. Sorry, sorry, (laughs) Huey, carry on, please. Um, Yeah, so we... And then a mate of mine that I was working with, Rob, who's a really awesome bassist. So I played, you know, keys and guitar and songs. And then we had a bassist and a guy doing all the triggers and drums. So it was quite cool. It was a really easy way of putting a band together for a solo project. Because you can say, oh, right, the first gig is Glastonbury. So, mm, yes, yeah. we. What a way to start. Yeah, and it, that's why the project's called Jackal is basically because I had it as the Jackal yeah. by Jackal. Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, that's how the name came about. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, it, it makes complete sense. And it, it's also it's like you were saying about the mask thing on, um, like hiding. You're saying about, you know, on the, on the live album. Yeah. Um, so, like keeping the name quiet or saying it's. You know, keeping the Huey part quiet. It's like mm. there's, there's that as well. So there's it's wrapped up in the whole pseudonym thing as well. So there's like the whole yeah. hiding behind something. Yeah, I, I like yeah, definitely. Element. And I also I wanted this the whole idea of this sort of you know Doctor Jekyll Mister Hyde. I think this that oh, yeah, right, you know yeah. the idea of like the the music has a real sort of vibe or feeling, but that's not necessarily what my personality is like. I'm quite. Mm. A, uh, outgoing and happy person but there is this side of this emotional side that I have and and I wanted to channel that into it but I didn't want it to be Huey Huey Gavin I felt, felt like it needed a name 
because it's a yeah. project as a project as opposed to being you know me if you yeah me. well it gives you that forum to sort of separate yeah that on within sometimes yeah. i think about i talk about jackal in the third person which is a bit weird but yeah <laughs> it's the idea of that almost other part it's uh, it's weird because doing the podcast because it's uh, it's called buddies buddies so my sort of artist name I've been going by for a long time is Buddy Peace because my mm. second name is Bud, so people mm. call me Buddy anyway. But I'm sort of losing the separation now between yeah. Nick Bud, which is my real name, and then Buddy Peace. Cause mm. <clears throat> like people call me Buddy because my mm. second name. So now it's all blurring into one. So like I feel <laughs> like I'm losing the mask. So I need, mm. I need another pseudonym to, yeah. to get back into the sort of hidden depths or yeah. something. <laughs> I don't know. It's a confusing world. So now you're you're pretty much you're dividing your time between the jackal, yeah, as a performer, mm-hmm. and then so am I right in saying Huey Gavin is the 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 teacher, the sort of yeah. the tutor, yeah. So I mean, I'd say do, do you divide it up fairly equally? Yeah. Well, um, okay. So I do, so I do jackal effectively stuff I do as a producer, or a songwriter, or as an artist it's under the jackal umbrella. Yeah. So that's that's. I would say still the majority of the week and doing that sort of stuff. And then similar to, I always wanted to do what my dad did, which was open his studio up and, or his, our house effectively. Mm. And when he was doing stuff, then also be working with singers. So it's something I thought about down here and that's what I do. So a couple of days a week, so on Saturdays and Fridays, Saturday mornings and Fridays, I have people coming into the studio Yeah, and I do, yeah, sometimes I do, but I, do it I, so I do vocal I work with vocalists and and part of it is sometimes I'm sometimes I want to record a song but most of the time it's just vocal lessons and right. it's about technique and performance and it, technique it, is it mostly uh, vocal or did you teach instruments as well is it mostly vocals you're... Ma- mostly vocal now yeah okay. I mean I do I've got there's a couple of people that come in and want me to show them piano stuff and guitar stuff but yeah you I, could you could teach for sure I mean yeah. you've been playing each instrument for long enough I guess yeah you yeah, no, I do I do but I, I really want to focus on now uh just because it's, it's like you said having lots of different hats mm. you want to do everything really well yeah, so yeah, yeah. with the choir with the studio and then with writing and jackal stuff it's quite a lot to have anyway so mm. i guess it keeps you focused if you mm. like right well, i teach bass guitar i teach rhythm guitar yeah. lead guitar electric guitar acoustic and piano and Rhodes keyboard and electric keyboard <laughs> like yeah exactly. you could go on forever and it could just be He's just spreading it out so thin, I suppose. And I think it's also about the oh, balance. And, and cello, sorry. Yeah. Got a big old cello in front of me. Cello or double bass? Double bass, double bass, oh. yeah. What's the difference? Clear it up for me, please. Double bass is just uh, deeper, bigger. Um, it's a bigger instrument. Oh, okay. So it's like the cello probably half the size of that. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, right. And yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you would generally, you would have to, you'd sit down when you're playing the cello. That generally you'd stand up and... All oh, right, yeah. Because yeah. I look at it now, and it's because I've got because I haven't got a cello to show yeah, me reference. the difference. Yeah, I mean sometimes it's, what's really weird is if you just suddenly imagine that that's a violin, it's a giant violin. <laughs> it kind of in a second you can think that your brain's going crazy, but it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like um, holding like when you get those mini Coke cans. Yeah, you feel exactly. like a giant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, double bass. That's something I'm learning at the moment. Um, ah. So the album that we've done with the choir, uh, I've produced it well. I worked on it with um, Adam, who's an amazing producer. Yeah, he's he's been around for a... Yeah. I remember I've, I've got his stuff. I used to work in a record shop, and I remember getting his stuff from promo, like, um, mm. and it was just like, oh, who's this? Yeah, he's, incre- he's yeah, yeah. incredibly talented. He did all the music for that, the new Beatles film. 
and he's doing the music yeah. for this amazing Netflix program at the moment. But he's he's produced this choir, Moshi Moshi Records EP that we've that I arranged and um, yeah, and then we played. We've we spent about about a month doing all the production on it. Yeah. But we he plays double bass. He's got double bass in his studio, yeah. and that was one of the best things. It's like when we would play because we were playing all the different instruments in afterwards, kind of yeah. taking turns playing different things on on the on the choir album. on the on the album. Everything yeah. is is there is either the choir or me or Adam. Uh. Yeah, he was like we were doing the double bass. He's an amazing cellist and mm. stuff. But he was like, right, why don't you have a go at trying to? So he gave me some tips with the double bass and yeah. I, I'd have a go. And he's like, right, you can have three goes and if you can get it right. You're motioning we'll with your hand. What, what's, what are we... So the big trick that he was saying is that when you're doing your, when you're playing the double bass and you're, these two fingers here. The so the ring finger ring and the finger, middle finger. Yeah. They act as one kind of claw. So rather than doing dum, 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 you go dum, 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 dum. And they work together as two. Okay. So it's like a three it's your hands like a, th- uh, a three pronged as opposed to four. So it's almost like this Star Trek, yeah, Nanu, almost, Nanu yeah. Thing, but with the middle, yeah, so, exactly. Uh, index foot. God, this is this is going to be hopeless to edit. Um, <laughs> so pointing finger, middle finger, separate yeah. ring finger, a little finger together, together, and that right. that that gives more su- support to those bottom little ones yeah. stops it being and once you start doing that it's way easier just dum 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 so it's a hefty instrument as well and it's like fretless and the strings are chunky like did you yeah. have you got some good calluses on your fingers or oh, it's the same ones for the guitar it's the same oh, fingers yeah, really yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. but that's that's an ongoing project I'm not very good at that yet but it's like a yeah. it's an ongoing project what what sort of style double bass are you looking at so I, mean, I think of jazz, but yeah, where where else would you? Use I would this? like to use it as almost more of a sound than an instrument. So like oh, yeah, bass. Yeah. So like I want to do bowing, but you know, it's that that sort of uh, that sort of emotional Trilling, sort of like is it? yeah. But that... when you get it low down, like, it oh, gets so... that really really sort of bassy sort of kind of atmospheric. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a it's that droney feeling, but it's. It's got because it's played in and it's real rather than using yeah. a synth. Yeah, it has yeah. this real depth to it. So for me, I yeah. want to use it more as a um, as a tone rather than going out and gigging. Yeah, no, amazing. Yeah, because yeah, I guess if it's a sine wave, it's just like whoa, whoa, whoa. And yeah, it's yeah, all exactly. equal, and it's really unless you unless you automate that, then it's just the same thing. Yeah, and exactly. I guess when it's a real instrument, it's like the human voice. It's like you. It's like when you hit when you sample a vocal and you pitch it up or down, you can immediately hear that that's a sample. But then with a human voice because you're well I mean you, you yeah. tell me I mean like the human the, the throat is changing shape and yeah, all this yeah, kind yeah. of stuff and you can feel the like you can feel the uh, the, the strings of the bow you know mm. moving across the string wow. and that 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 noise is it's not going to be perfect it's not going to be completely the same because the material isn't completely the same mm. and that's where you get that sort of that that difference yeah it's the sort of thing that we were talking about a little bit earlier about where your ears pick up on that on that sort of the little bits of noise. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. makes it really, you know, really gets you into a track. For me anyway, I don't know. Yeah. No, totally. Um I th- I remember hearing on there was this super old podcast about hip hop and um they're talking about drum machines and how your brain tunes out if the drum machine is just playing the same, you know, like a demo yeah. rhythm. Yeah, so you just looped it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like your brain will tune it out eventually. If it's the same rhythm, 
then your brain will tune it out. So then you start to lock in on the rest of what's ah. happening. So I suppose with real instruments, like a drum kit that hasn't been adjusted to be in time, mm. then there, yeah, there's those human imperfections that kind of keep you a bit locked yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. I suppose. definitely. Um, but then, yeah, I don't know, because I suppose you could get into that sort of trance state if you're, well, I suppose listening to trance music even, or like, or yeah. just sort of really long droney techno tracks and stuff like that because that's just a machine but then also the older stuff it's playing with you're, you're using old midi which is yeah. drifts in and out of time as well so there's a bit more human element to the older stuff perhaps i don't know train of thought but yeah i don't know yeah and then um, all right so you mentioned the mushy mushy album can you can you give me a bit of yeah bit of intel on that so what's, so what's the deal so last year uh we did the music for um there's i arranged the swim deep album and they wanted to get choir on so i did the vocal arrangements and then obviously suggested that we get the uh so singing choir to sing him mm. so we recorded that um i sent it to Stephen moshi who one of the guys that runs moshi moshi records so swim deeper on moshi moshi no they oh. but they, they they just so Stephen had seen us play a gig yeah and then he suggested that i do some arrangements for this album right, right and right. then maybe get the choir in. and then I sort of said we should get the choir in. anyway so after we'd done it I sent it to Stephen and he sort of said I've got an idea I think it'd be really cool it's their 20th anniversary of Mushy Mushy Records this year wow which is crazy yeah um, are we going to get a mic appearance from Freya yeah Freya's just shuffling about alright she's like oh, you're not talking about the album again <laughs> God, come on um, get some new material guys uh, so he was like I would love we're doing this gig they have this new festival they've done for the last couple of years in Margate called Caring is Creepy. Oh, yeah, um, they, yeah, elsewhere. Yeah, they do it, with, um, do it with um, Arts Cool, which yeah. Sammy runs. Yeah, yeah. And they had lo- there were really some really cool bands coming down, Teleman and coming down to play. And they said, we'd love, we want to maybe record it, but we'd love it if you arranged like a few songs from our back catalogue and we chose the songs for... For a choir from a twenty-year back catalogue. Yeah, Good it luck. was quite a week. That was took a lot, a few weeks of back and forth. I picked a couple and they picked a couple. What were you looking for? As a so, how many tracks? Like three or four? It's four tracks. Yeah. So, what were you looking for, or did you did you feel like you found what you were looking for in the back catalogue? So, the first one was something that everyone would know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it was kind of agreed that one of Florence. So we did Dog Days Are Over. Florence and the Machine. Florence and the Machine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was just one that was decided straight away with everyone. Yeah, yeah. And then I thought of this Paris by the Friendly Fires, uh-huh. which has got this big euphoric chorus. And every night we watched it. Have you ever heard it? I, I know Friendly Fires because I remember going back to when I was in... Because I used to work in... Uh, it used to be Beggar's Banquet and then it changed to Banquet Records. So I worked there from like 2001 to seven. And I remember Moshi Moshi was like a big fixture in the sort of indie mm. electronic mm. kind of scene. Um, Friendly Fires is a name that I definitely remember, but it's sort of a bit lost in the mush of music I was yeah. exposed to because it, it wasn't a side that I was too familiar with and mm. I really got into it, but um, I sort of didn't kind of take it with me after I left yeah, the shop because yeah. it was such an immediate scene. So yeah. I'd, I'd know about all this stuff, you know, the weeks before it came out because of the pre-sales and this kind of stuff, but... Um, I keep going back to hip hop, but like hip hop, kind of was like, nah, get out of my, get out, of yeah, here. yeah, yeah, go and screw off, and that kind of took up space in my brain. Mm. So yes, I know Friendly Fires, but I don't remember the track. So that's it was that one, and then 
actually my favourite two songs are the ones that Michael picked. Michael and Stephen. Mm-hmm. So Stephen picked Let's Go Swimming Wild, which was released just about two or three years ago by this artist called Sweet Baboo. I'd never heard the track before. Mm. But as soon as I heard it, I knew it was going to be really, really sort of good for the... Like just, it's the sort of track you'd never ex- think of to put a choir on. Yeah. And then one, But as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, we could do that, we could do that. With this. And the other one was Crap Craft Dinner by Hot Chip. Oh, okay, yeah. And which is quite sort of a song that sort of stays quite flat the whole way through and then it kind of builds at the end. Yeah. But And it's the same lyrics pretty much for the whole first section. So what I decided to do is to add a part in the choir each time yeah. it comes in. So by the time it gets to the end of the first section, it's like six parts. Yeah. And it, Amazing. And it, that's my favourite one. That's the single, actually. That's the single that we're releasing in... in oh, so it's going to be... A, so yeah. it's a whole album you're going to be releasing. So it's like just going to be like a proper album yeah. run. Like, oh, yeah. So that's the first single that comes out, I think, on the 6th of December. Okay, wicked. It was... So we did that. We did the, we did the show and it was amazing and uh, the show was at the Turner no it was at Elsewhere we oh Elsewhere Caring is Creepy one. beg Caring your pardon creepy. sorry yeah yeah, yeah. yeah Elsewhere getting ahead, of, getting ahead of you here and then we and then after that it was just all steam ahead they were like well let's do this properly let's book a studio so we did that we, record, we did a day in the studio it was all filmed which was cool and then oh, nice and then uh, I then started working on it with Arden and the production side of it I'd done sort of tracks that we used for the live shows yeah so we went in with those and then afterwards we spent about a month just, yeah, putting some strings on it, putting, wow. we've got lots of like, it's, it's a mix between like analogue synths, strings, glockenspiel. So it's like very, we've tried to make it so that it is fun and it sort of feels not like it's not taking itself too seriously, but also mm. sonically it's really interesting. And Yeah, and, um, I and, can kind of imagine it in my head. I'm imagining it being very... Um, Almost like modern Christmassy sort of thing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, hopefully. Wicked. Especially the Crap Craft Dinner, because the lyrics are all the people that I love are here. Um, That's the first lyric of the song, which is quite a nice sentiment. Yeah. Um, Well, any time, but... The title was quite misleading, though, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it is, yeah. Does that come up? I don't think I've heard the song. Does that come up? Yeah, it's the end. All all we have left is one Crap Craft Dinner that I brought back for you last summer, I think it is. Yeah. Wow. It's it's really interesting approach because like I can imagine if you hear a song which is just it could be like a jackal setup solo jackal mm. setup where it's like a person with a guitar and hearing that and imagining oh I could turn this into a choir banger. Yeah. Like, like the those restrictions are really cool to work with because if you've got like a massive sprawling epic song it's like a seven minute operatic piece, you wouldn't necessarily add to that with a it's choir. so true it's so true and i think actually the one that sounds great but the one that i found hardest was the dog days are over because it was so big yeah and such a big sing that it was like yeah she's got a she's got such an amazing voice, voice anyway, and right? it is and actually there's quite a lot of harmonies in it there's almost like yeah. it was been written for a choir because there's loads of her voice doing other things oh, wow, wow. so we had an idea it was adam's idea it was really good to sort of almost go we've done this thing the second verse goes are really quiet. And I never wanted... It goes really, really quiet and it's just chords. Yeah. We've gone like sort of Beatles White Album on it and done like reversed vocals. <laughs> and really made it really almost psychedelic and then it yeah, comes yeah. back in with strings and, and um, guitar and glockenspiel and stuff. So the idea of that one was like, right, we're going to actually just have a little bit of fun with the production on that. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. that 
so that it has this bit more personality. Yeah, like, yeah. Honestly. Gives you a bit of like interest in this sort of mm. like yeah, that sort of electronicy noodling part is. Um, I, yeah, I can't get enough of that stuff. Mm. When it, when it's handled right, and it sounds yeah. like yours was very. We were very. We never and, wanted we, the whole idea was to make the choir the star of the show. Yeah, yeah. But um, so that whenever we got mixes back, when it's being mastered at the moment, we got mixes back. It was always like turn the choir up, turn the choir up, turn the yeah, choir. Yeah, yeah. Even though because there's all these nice things happening that. You know, Arden, we were playing in, and we were playing in these sort of synth parts and stuff. And they are really nice. And so a lot of the, you know, when the mix, mixing, so like, oh, that's nice, I'll turn that up. Yeah. We were like, no, no, just, just turn the choir up. Yeah that's, yeah. that's what it's about. And if you that's can hear a little bit of that sort of, you know, shimmering in the background, that's mm. just going to, going to just be a nice thing. Yeah. And so technically, how do you record a choir? Because all the time you're talking about adding instruments, I'm thinking, yeah, but. Were you recording to a click? And how do you record to a click yeah. if it's a quiet? So like, how did you... It's tough, actually. You know. So I had headphones and I was conducting. Ah, uh, okay. So, but that was it. We had to practice before we were in the recording. I was aware of what would... Luckily, because we'd done the um, Swim Deep stuff the year before, it took long... We only had to do... We only do recorded two songs with that and it took about three hours. Yeah. And the only thing was like, because everyone was just waiting for me to conduct... It was a little bit behind, and it took us quite a while to get into that yeah. sort of timing. Because there, yeah. there's there's like the there's me moving my hands, and then there's people obviously processing that, and then them yeah. singing. So it's like the idea. Yeah. So it's like the signal from the click into your brain, and that that yeah. signal then from me your brain. converting that into hand movements, yeah. and then them. Oh, so it's man. sort of like there was a tiny bit of lag. Mm. We it ended up working really well, and it sounded great, but. Yeah, if it's slightly behind... You can move it all yeah, as well. Yeah, or, or it might even sound yeah. kind of nice like that. I mean, it's... But this time, what we did is, I thought, just to make that easier, <coughs> is the few rehearsals, like the three or four rehearsals before, we stopped me playing or playing it out, and we started having it silent, and me conducting, and then, right. and then sort of... And then we... So then we, then we tried it actually a different way, and then we ended up doing it similar that, similarly to that. We just had the track really low... On these, on these sort of like subwoofers, right? And then we had the mics up quite high, yeah. So even though I had headphones with the track quite loud, there was a tiny bit of track going on at the yeah. bottom. Yeah, but you wouldn't pick it up because no, a or tiny, you could get tiny bit. Yeah, you can eat, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But it was like this is when we were recording because when the first thing we did it, it was still not work, quite working perfectly. And um, Al, the sound engineer, was like, "For me, I'd rather have them sounding really confident, and great, mm. and that little bit of." tiny bit of bleed that you can kind of edit out later yeah. rather than he's like they're, they're singing in time but it feels almost like they're Holding hesitating yeah, yeah. so we did that in the end we had it and luckily we'd come up with a few ideas before so we're like we'll try this if that doesn't work we'll try this because so. mm. yeah it, it sounds like a logistical nightmare but that approach actually makes a lot of sense because if if there's even yeah if, even if there's a bit of bleed from the bassy sort of yeah. part of the backing track that could even come into play it's like yeah, you're replaying it yeah, it yeah it's so true like yeah they're really and also they're quite simple parts I'd kind of taken out quite a bit of it of the instrumentation but that sort of feeding it in and feeding it out and feeding it in again can sometimes be quite a nice sort mm. of thing and it give yeah. it it gives it a bit of like natural room echo yeah room, room, too, yeah so. exactly and yeah. also just that live it adds to the live sort of yeah. sound of it so it was wow. good it worked really well in the end and we did we recorded um, we recorded everything in about three or four hours. Um, so, um, S- Stephen came down and I was like, oh, you know, you're always a bit nervous when like, they're 
one of the heads of labels that's doing yeah, of course, it, yeah. is there and he said, I just looked up as we were singing his song, I could see him with his phone out just in floods of tears. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was really, really, and I was like looking, I was like, okay, I think it's going all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Were you expecting your dad to be there like, mm, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's good, but, you know, he could have picked up a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I sent it to him, He I sent it to him, he's really happy because my, he's really happy with the sort of writing side of everything and mm. because my, his mum, my grandma was a composer Mm. Um, and so he loves the fact that now I'm doing, you know, arranging and yeah. Well, obviously I've been writing for other people for a long time, but yeah. he likes the fact that I'm also I'm performing as a singer like him, but kind of carrying on yeah. Grandma's legacy yeah by definitely. doing this sort of more you know arrangements and and and, and writing stuff. yeah yeah like yeah totally sort of mm. picking up the best of both worlds of your background. So like all right, so we talked about your dad and your your siblings have this kind of crazy varied profession mm. list or whatever you yeah. call it for like um so what what was what 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 does your mum like, my mum my mum is well she was a nurse when we were growing up and now she's a health visitor and she is not a million miles away from osteo uh, no i think yeah exactly yeah there is yeah definitely okay. and um she's actually very similar personality wise to my sister marita as well so mm. probably something in that yeah and then um she's now the kind of head of the Surrey homeless team for health visitors that deal with homeless and also traveler community as well. So oh, right, okay. there's a massive thing. She had this idea a year ago or a couple of years ago because there's a really high fatality rate in the traveler community because they're not yeah. getting their checkups that you'd get usually. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess because then sort of, I imagine they're not stationary. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't have a GP or. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she came up with this idea of having a bus that would go around to the travel community and do baby checkups, mm. GP stuff, not just not just the health visitor stuff, but also like uh, have a, a doctor on board for... Yeah. And she's just... That's that's what she... So she's that's her project that she's running around that, that's happening in Surrey. Mm-hmm. And then it's going quite well at the moment. So they're looking to do it nationwide. And wow. she'll be running running that um, that project. So it's sort of... Yeah, she was a health visitor, but now she's kind of, yeah, she's sort of running this bus thing. Yeah, that's such a good idea. It's, it's a, a really good nice, idea, yeah. yeah. I never would have, you know, uh, she had the idea and then people were like, oh, why has no one thought of that before? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, she's, uh, she's at this point, the last the last um, accepted form of discrimination or racism is against the traveller community. I think people are still right. so, it's yeah. so, you know, people say, oh, you know, uh, they say really quite shocking things about the traveling community sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, yeah, I've certainly heard some. You hear a lot. It's, yeah, it's almost like people are putting you off ever communicating mm. with with them. Like. There's a lot of um, mistrust and both sides of the. Yeah. Uh, um, but they call her the they call her the gypsy nurse now. Right. Uh, and the in the tra- traveler traveler community and and um, yeah, she's sort of built up quite a big amount of trust and. Yeah. Which is good, and, and I think she's saying that there's a lot of people. There's, there's crazy things like because of this uh, sometimes lack of education and lack of access. There's things like uh, what was it? Um, was she telling me something really scary about? Oh, it's about cancer. Right. If you get if there people have been ill and and, hatch, and gone to a, a walking centre and um, they wouldn't go if they knew they were sick because they're worried that if someone if as soon as someone says they get cancer, it's like a curse. Yeah, and, oh, and so like right. by not going there, they might they won't get it. And yeah. if someone else gets it, 
it could be could be seen to catch cancer often. There's oh, an idea like no. of so she, she said a lot of what she's been doing is trying to as part of it educate about the fact that it's obviously first of all not there's no way you yeah can that's get, not how it happens. and the prevention side of it so going to get checked out early mm. as opposed to not going because as soon as someone says it then it becomes yeah a real thing yeah but I mean you can see how it would. It's almost like those beliefs could be pretty much confirmed because, yeah. like, it's it's almost it's 100% like hundred percent sort of you go and you get yeah. that. So it's reinforcing yeah. the, that that belief, or it's a superstition. And I, and a lot of the time they do. There's a you know, it's it's part of a superstition as opposed to a firm belief that that's what it is. But it's mm. you know, like exactly if someone does go and then you know, so I'm sure. I mean, there's probably superstitions that we all still have as well. And we don't even realise. Like, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot. You know. That sort of touch wood and all this kind of stuff. So I, I still do it, and it's yeah. you know, you, oh, yeah. If I ever get cancer, all touch wood. It's like yeah, yeah. You just do it. It's just so it's, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh, so your mum's doing some pretty valuable stuff out there, eh? Yeah. Um, and so, what else have you got on the on the cards? Have you got? Is there more jackal stuff coming? Yeah. So the the single just had a a, rec- a record out la week before last, which was the one that was used on. The Audi advert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got some, yeah, some good advert repping going on, haven't you? Yeah. So we did a cover, me and the producer, Faultline, who I've worked with quite a bit. Mm. Uh, He's got an album coming out, I think, early next year that I've I've written a track on and stuff. Nice. Um, And so, yeah, we did a cover of a song from My Fair Lady. Um, I Could Have Danced All Night, and it was used as the... The, for the current Audi campaign, yeah, yeah, I checked so. it out. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, it's so stunning! <laughs> so yes. I've, I've been properly like diving in on your stuff since mm. we talked. Like, like we had a little chat sort of a week ago, and it's like, yeah, it's been sort of Jackal Huey world in my head. It's <laughs> so like, it's just so addictive because it's sort of like you were saying about how like the the voice is that's obviously the focus and like the, the music is not like the music is an afterthought or anything, but it's like the, the voice is what gets you. And then it, it's sort of really like bolstered by the music, but you could also listen to an acapella, I reckon of yours. Oh. And it would just be like, you, you know, you get a, the same result. Thanks mate. Really interesting to hear it. Um, all right. Amazing. So you are contactable where Instagram, Instagram. website. Yeah. I got the studio and get through the studio, Margate vocal studio. Yeah. Uh, dot com, and then I've got Jackal Jackal Instagram Facebook. What's your What's your most um, updated side of social media? They're all pretty up to date at the moment. Right. Jackal, I'd say Jackal and the Margate Vocal Studio are the best, the best, the two the two that I use. Cool. Yeah, that's quite a lot having more than one. Just, yeah, I've got this, so these quite, hats, man. Yeah. yeah, the choir one though, that's sort of shared now. It's going to just about to be shared between different people in the choir. So okay. Nice. Mm. And are you are you sort of open to just whatever suggestions people have, like in terms of either tuition or collaboration? Like, what, yeah. what's your sort of policy on that? Yeah, I mean, I've got that's 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 kind of why I set the studio up is to work work with other people. I've had, you know, that's been one of the other amazing things. There's so many great artists down here to yeah, yeah. work. Have the studio is totally open for that as well as as well as people coming in to to, to work on vocals and stuff yeah uh, you know that's another thing Stephen and working with Moshi I've worked with quite a few acts that they're they're working with yeah yeah which is yeah. nice I've had a few people it's an amazing artist called Fale who uh, moved to Margate from Guinea about 
I think, 18 months ago. Yeah, I've been to a few of his shows, man. Yeah. He's, he's insane. His he's, instruments are gorgeous as well. Yeah, we had him in had him in here, and we he just had he brought we <coughs> we carried down all a load of his stuff from his house because mm-hmm. he lives the next road to me, and we just set up and we just recorded a load of them in, mm. and then we just started. Weirdly, we've written a song together that's now being released in France. Wow, it's like wow. this sort of like kind of like sort of dance electro. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. I, I, I know we're having trouble explaining it because it's quite undefinable. Yeah, <laughs> like his his stuff. Yeah, but he's got lots of traditional. Well, I'd say well, the traditional traditional West African instruments, basically. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of them are really, really massive like a huge uh, like animal part or something. yeah and they'll <laughs> have like there's a lot of them attuned percussion he's got some amazing drums and he's yeah he's really he plays in a really free and um like rhythmically he's bang on but he's just so free it's just really really yeah, nice yeah. to that's the sort of thing we're talking about again that sort of idea of of push and pull light and shade mm. sort of thing mm, yeah yeah yeah, and it's very, uh, he's got that collaborative spirit as well because every yeah. time I've seen him, he's sort of offered up the floor to the audience. Yeah. And, and every time we've done that British thing of like, um, <clears throat> like yeah, yeah. very cautious, like, is anyone else doing it? I don't know if I can do it. But yeah, if we had a whole crowd doing it, I mean, that would be amazing because mm. it's such a cool, yeah, it's very sort of um, like chant. Yeah. Of place. So it's quite cool easy to answer. catch. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Mm. Um, okay, so plans going forward. What do you have in the pipeline? We talked about the Jackal yeah. action. You got live shows coming up? Got a live show coming up. I'm playing Tom Thumb on the 23rd of November. Oh, amazing. And then next year I'm going to do a headline show in London and also in Margate as well. Oh, beautiful. I've got a record, a full sort of uh, Jackal record coming out. So like four, another EP coming out early next year as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Um... And on the studio front, I'm partnering with Secret Sessions. And next summer, we're going to do a couple of like writing camps. We're going to have some like uh, writers that I've worked with in London coming down. Mm. And yeah, so that's next year. What else? And then the choir. Yeah, We've got loads of shows with the choir coming up now. We're doing a BBC Radio Kent session in right. a couple of weeks. Also on the 23rd, but in the morning. Okay. Um, speed on down to the Tom Thumb afterwards we're playing um, the charity is called Peaceful Noise the set up after the guy um, the guy uh, was you know the Bataclan where the lots of people killed oh yeah 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 they set up a charity and they have a big gig every year so we're we're playing that in London they're bussing us up to play that wow nice and then the the choir the choir yeah yeah yeah, smooth and then we've got the Christmas is the busiest time for a choir because everyone wants them to sing everywhere. No doubt. Yeah. So we've got a few things. We're, playing, we're singing at Dreamland and we're singing at the Moshi Moshi. We're doing the Moshi Mo- launch for the Moshi Moshi single coming cool. up. Cool. Very quick. What are you listening to at the moment, Huey? So uh, when you came in, I was listening to Michael Kiwanuka's new album. Stunning piece was, of work. Yeah, which was... Yeah. Is, I'm listening to that. I've, I've <coughs> just... I've just I bought... Uh, they re-released one of my favourite bands, The Blue Niles, uh, back catalogue on vinyl last month so I just got those yeah. so, I can uh, see the the relation between you and them I remember you telling me about your influences mm. and stuff and yeah I had to listen to him the other night and it's like ah oh, okay uh, yeah that checks out <laughs> I love his yeah he he's one person 
I quite like singers that have good lyrics, but you don't even know it's the lyrics the third or fourth time because yeah. the, he, the words are never so much that you can't focus on the melody. Mm. And he does that definitely. He's got one of my favourite lyrics of all times in the song called Downtown Lights. Yeah. It's, it's like sometimes I walk away when all I really want to do is tell you nobody loves you this way. But the way he sings it, it's so simple, yeah. but the way he sings it, it's like that's the most... yeah. yeah uh, profound and simple yeah uh, love it yeah, yeah that kind of stuff yeah it sneaks up on you and then it's sort of, mm. yeah like the simplest sentiment and then if you you know you say it and deliver it in such a way it just cuts straight to yeah, you yeah sometimes <laughs> you don't have to be super clever about sort of mm. of trying to uh, you know put you know recreate the English language sometimes yeah. the best way of saying it is like that yeah and uh, yeah yeah it's kind of similar to so uh, yeah again back to hip-hop is like sometimes the simplest drum loop and you know if you can rap on beat and you've got a simple drum loop playing or something or even the drum machine it's like that can be the purest yeah, most yeah, enjoyable exactly. form of it sort of thing. yeah and then you actually really listen to everything that's going on yeah 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 totally hey Huey it's been an absolute pleasure man oh, thank you so much thanks for having me yeah no it's great me. it's um really cool to see the fellow behind lots of these projects but not not that you're the voice of like the choir but it's nice to sort of chat to you about how mm. it all comes together and the community aspect of it I think that's amazing um, yeah uh, links in the episode and come to a jackal show and go and learn how to sing with Huey <laughs> soon alright cheers thanks. Huey thanks cheers bye bye cheers man alright thank you Huey that was awesome um, a lot of fun talking to Huey aka jackal but that is not where it ends because as promised in the intro we're gonna drop a little exclusive live jammy on you um this one is called i'll keep calling there's a refrain that he sings repeatedly uh which when you hear it you'll you'll think ah i guess that song's called i'll keep calling huh but at the end of it i said so Huey, what's that called and he was like well it's sort of the the line i keep singing uh that felt kind of stupid but yeah i just wanted to make sure i mean sometimes songs have repeated lines and it's the the name of the song is something entirely unrelated so i just wanted to check i wasn't being that stupid but um anyway whatever uh it's a lovely song uh it's been stuck in my head for like since we recorded it I've, i've been uh cycling it around in my head a lot so uh, enjoy it's wonderful so um this is i'll keep calling by jackal uh take it away
Cause it's not black or white It's never wrong or I'll keep calling. Uh, it's the one I keep. It's the word I keep saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, quite gorgeous. Love it, love it. Um, so for more of that, not sure the entire uh, instrument lineup, but the voice will be there. Hugh Gavin, Jackal will be at Tom Thumb tomorrow night. That's on the twenty third November at some point in the daytime you'll hear him uh, I think he's with the choir um, they're going to be on uh, BBC uh, Kent I believe on the radio so keep an ear out for that you can also follow Jackal Huey Gavin on uh, Jackal Music which is spelled J-A-K-L-M-U-S-I-C on your Instagrams and whatnot, and um, follow the. So the. All right, I've got this written down. I'm going to make sure I get this correct. Margate Vocal Studio. Follow them on Instagram. Uh, it's Margate Vocal Studio. So it's Margate underscore Vocal underscore Studio. Okay, good. Um, Social Singing Choir. You can follow them on at Social Singing Choir on Instagram. You're worth a follow. Obviously, uh, all of these places. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff going on and. Uh, Lots of inspiring musical things to get into your head. Um, I'm I'm really I'm really happy I got to spend some time with Huey because uh, yeah it's um it's it's lovely stuff and I'm really glad you could hear it as well. Uh, so 
now it, like it looks like in the in the click of fingers the sun is going to disappear and I'm going to be shrouded in night again with the tide in. I'm standing on the Lido actually so I think I'm safe for a bit but I mean maybe you can hear it the tide is getting uh, a bit beefy out there. So follow me uh, on Instagram I'm on uh, at buddy underscore peace uh, follow me on Twitter exactly the same as Instagram at buddy underscore peace uh, buddypeace.com that's my website for web bits and um, bandcamp buddypeace.bandcamp.com have a listen to my stuff I have lots of things on there for you to hear uh, I'm also on Patreon if you feel like slinging me a few bucks no obligation it's like a tip jar you know the deal um, I'd be most appreciative if you do but yeah it's uh, yeah, no, no obligation just letting you know just putting it on the table and walking away Right, I will leave you there because it's uh, somehow managed to get even colder and this is probably going to be a very long episode so with all due respect to your time and your ears uh, and my hands uh, that they might not freeze I'm going to leave you here. So thank you for listening. Thank you Huey Gavin for your generous time and uh, yeah, uh, check in, recommend it to a friend give me a shout let me know what you're thinking all that goodness and i will see you soon uh be well be healthy maintain represent uh do you and stay on the right side this is buddy peace signing out farewell peace Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.